Hello, and welcome to the Rejoicing Together podcast, a ministry of Maysville Baptist Church, where we share stories of God's transforming power as seen in the lives of our church members. Well, hello, and welcome to the Rejoicing Together podcast. My name is Nate Trawick, and I am joined tonight by our college and career mission team. Guys, thanks for joining us. Excited to have you guys on. So uh, you guys recently went to Puerto Rico and um, wanted just to kind of give you guys an opportunity to share some of the things that you guys got to experience down there, um, share some of the uh, uh, things that you guys did, and talk about what all God did on your trip. So um, tonight, just wanted to kind of open the floor up and uh, maybe just tell everybody, somebody want to share where you went, who you connected with, and kind of generally what you did. I can tackle that one real fast. We went to Puerto Rico. We went with Sin Relief, which is an organization of the Southern Baptist Convention. It's an arm. Uh, Sin Relief is f- uh, under the NAM North American Mission Board umbrella. Sin Relief goes uh, all over the world, but mostly North America, to disaster areas and attempt to meet physical needs and open door to help churches and share the gospel. And Sin Relief is in Puerto Rico because uh, a couple years ago, a major um, hurricane hit Puerto Rico, a very large hurricane, and then a very large earthquake hit Puerto Rico, and then um, COVID was very harsh on Puerto Rico. So they've just kind of set up shop. Puerto Rico's went through a lot. Amer- uh, Puerto Rico's U.S. territory, so um, if you didn't know, you're listening, know that. So we went down there. We connected with Sin Relief, and we connected with a church named uh, Logos Church. And so we, while we were there during the day, we, uh, for about, I guess, eight to ten hours, worked on um, helping build uh, assemble metal buildings for their school that they have there and also to be education space for a new church that they're building there. Cool. Very cool. Um, so as you guys were down there, um, anybody have any experiences maybe of a person they came in contact with, a conversation they had that was really encouraging, impactful? Maybe somebody share with maybe a conversation we had with uh, Jesus's family. So one night... Um, we, we did mostly construction, and we worked with a man named Jesus and a man named Victor. And Jesus was absolutely wonderful, and he insisted we come have dinner with him one night. So we went to his house, and he bought us pizza, and we sat outside in chairs and got to talk. And um, he had two sons, and one they kind of accepted as their son, I suppose, Um it was really wonderful. We got to sit around and and talk, and um, Chris asked two of the sons, but not the one that kind of adopted it. <laughs> um, I guess their testimony. How did you How did you put it? I think I just said, how did they become Christian if they were Christian? Yeah, yeah. and we kind of um, got a. A lecture, or yeah. how would you say that? I don't know. The first, the first one, one was about a 15-minute, and the next one was like a 45-to-an-hour-minute sermon. Yeah. sermon, which was they were both. But they were wonderful, mm-hmm. yeah. It was great to hear. And it was um, – I loved the way – oh, it wasn't Jordan. It was the other one. What was his Jeremy. name? Jeremy. Thank you, Kenzie. Um, he talked about sin of, like – he put it in, I guess, his own terms of, like, Sin before we know about God is, is still sin, but especially sin after God uh, is rebellion. And I was like, wow, that, yeah, you're right. And he'd only been a believer, how long do you remember, Anna? Like I mean, two years. Two or three years. Yeah. I mean, and just to see the maturity of a believer that has not been a Christian that long was very encouraging. 
And that was for most of the Christians we met at that church. And it's a Catholic area. I mean, most people are there Catholic. So uh, contrary to many, we do not believe Catholics are Orthodox Christians, if they're actually adhere to Roman Catholic faith. So, but these Christians uh, that are in the middle of a Catholic uh, land, Roman Catholic land, um, little C, uh, they, uh, I mean, they were very bold and very strong in their faith. Uh, and they knew what they believed, why they believed it. And I think a lot of that had to do um, with two ways. I think it had to do with the ecclesiology of the church. Ecclesiology is um, the doctrine of the church, the way they lived out the church at Logos there, which is a Southern Baptist church. As far as I could tell, maybe the largest Southern Baptist church, Puerto Rico, 100 members maybe, 90 to 100 members, so not, not that big of a church. But the way they did church membership, the way they did church polity, church government, I think that led to deep discipleship. We could get into why if you wanted to. Um, but they, most of the Christians we talked to from that church, in conversation they would mention a sermon, something the pastor said in the sermon. And that was very encouraging to me, just to see that pastor being faithful to preach the word. You saw that lived out in the lives of his members. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I just I can think of three or four conversations that were with other people. Then Jesus and his family that were members of the church would say, "Yeah, well, pastor said uh, in this sermon quoted this verse." I was like, "Wow, that's a, that's awesome!" You know, so that was very encouraging to me. I feel like too. Um, so there was a language barrier. So <laughs> true. Um, for me, there they, was. They said most people at least understood English, but um, not many spoke it. But so many at their church after service came up to us and made it a point to say hello and God bless or thank you for being there. And that was really encouraging that they came to say hello when that's really all they could say to us. And they went out of their way to make us feel welcome. The, the, we got to go, as Anna was talking about, the church service on Sunday morning uh, while we were there. And uh, I don't we're know. We were supposed to have an interpreter. Well, yeah, we were told we were supposed to have an interpreter. There was no interpreter. But one of the things I was impressed with was how their their building that they're at, which um, AC is not a thing, and it's it it's not a, it's cooler in Puerto Rico than it is here a little bit. Not humidity, but it's hot in there. I don't know how many people in America would have sit in that church as hot as it was in there. For like two and a half hours. Yeah, didn't bother them, man. Shit. They were glad to be there. Some of them the had Lord. on long sleeves. Yes. <laughs> and uh, but they, hey, man, they had a fan and they were tuned in to the pastor. And I wasn't because I didn't know what he's talking about. Is <laughs> <laughs> he speaking Spanish and speaking it fast? He'd slow down. I got a word. I think Alex and Anna and Ethan, they had a, a much. Uh, I don't know how good Connor is at Spanish. <laughs> I think he's pretty fluent, but um, they had a much better working knowledge. Kinsey made as well, but I, I had zero. The key is you always just listen for the words that sound the same as English words. <laughs> they did sing Amazing Grace in Spanish, of course. but uh, and They sang This is Amazing Grace this, yeah, by, yeah, amazing uh, grace. what's his name? Not Phil, Phil Rollins, but Phil something. Phil, Phil Wickham. Wickham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they sung a couple songs that were noticeable. Yeah, they had one Spanish song that was really good that was like very theological. And I say that just because it mentioned justification. And for us, if you mention justification, I think you're pretty theological That's a in good word. society. That's a good word. <laughs> it, it, is, it is really encouraging. Haven't been in Nepal, haven't been in Puerto Rico. I'm just really encouraged personally that, um, and, and we've talked about this some in, in our group, but there are like-minded Christians who believe the Bible, take the gospel serious all over the world. Hmm. So you think you're alone in the world, you're not. I promise you, you know, there's a remnant that are trying to follow the word. And it's amazing 
how the church transcends culture. It's amazing how the gospel transcends culture. How it's amazing to where, in my experience, maybe it's different, but I imagine it's not. Sin is the same. Pride is the same. The Ten Commandments uh, are broken everywhere, and the grace of God is needed. To it's it's not like you have to communicate the gospel differently to different people. The gospel just needs to be presented. And the church, the elements of the church in Puerto Rico, when I see in Nepal, and I believe what we see in America, to for faithful churches, churches look the same because mm-hmm. the elements that the church is given, the commands the church are given, are not different. This I know this sounds dumb and very simple, but I think it's true. Well, in my experience, the same Bible that we have, the same words, no in different language, is the same in Nepal. It's the same in Spanish in Puerto Rico. And that's evident by what's being said and how the church is functioning. Uh, the elements of worship are the same, though maybe carried out very faithfully better in other places. And I found that at Logos to be true. I mean, church is very faithful to carry out the commandments of God. And so that's very encouraging to me personally. Yeah. I think it's just interesting listening to you guys talk about Puerto Rico because I know the the last mission trip that we talked about on the podcast was Nepal uh, with, with you, Alex. And uh, now, Alex, you've stepped into a whole new role with all that. Maybe that's another episode in and of itself. But, um, you know, Nepal is kind of an interesting animal because you have a very, like, anti-Christian almost flair flavor to the culture um there's a lot of people there who don't want um conversion they don't want um, people changing to be christians um but then you have puerto rico where there's i'm sure probably a lot of people who think they're christians or a lot of people who would say they're christians um how did you guys see that impact the trip well i think you see it in the church like the reason they have to be so theological is because of that because if they're not, then they look no different than the Catholic Church. Hmm. You know, they're not going to get people coming out of the Catholic Church who are lost because they're following a faith plus works religion and salvation. They're not going to get those people to denounce Catholicism and come and be a Protestant unless they're very theological about what they're teaching and showing the very distinct difference between what the Catholics have and what we have. Uh, that's that's a right on the point. The church, the more it looks like the culture, the harder it is for the gospel to go out. Mm. And so for like what Alex is saying, in a Catholic Roman Catholic culture, for the 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 true church, the faithful church holding to the scriptures, preaching the true gospel that's presented in the scripture, they have to look different. And that's not you don't have to try to do anything just to be different, I don't think, inherently. You just have to be faithful to the text, faithful to the scripture, and you're gonna be different. Um and that's very evident. And where like you said, it's a Christian culture. Everything's Christian. We had one guy we got to share the gospel with, Felix told us, uh he was born Christian because he's born Roman Catholic. And he said everybody here is. And uh, you know, we just went through the gospel and that's not true. You're born a child of wrath you're born um, hating God you're born loving the darkness because your deeds are evil and you don't want them to be exposed to the light that's actual truth and the best way sometimes to hide in the darkness is to hide under a religious banner like Roman Catholicism right? um, and so but the church the true church like I said stands out even in a hashtag Christian culture the true church does because it's different in a, in a godly way in a faithful way so that's very very encouraging well those like counterfeit 
truce, which would be what the Catholic Church is, what Mormonism is, you know, Jehovah's Witness, they're counterfeit, right? Like they have seeds of truth in them, mm-hmm. but they're not the truth. And so when you still see the truth, you can still see the distinct difference. It's harder to see it because right. it's hidden um, and they look very dis- very close together. So it takes a little bit more time to actually articulate the differences and to expound upon the differences and really highlight the differences. But when the truth is presented, those differences still shine through. And and I think this is very relevant to our culture today, this conversation, because you know, what Alex said, we the Roman Catholic Church has a lot of theology. This may not be where we want to go to this conversation, but um, the Roman Catholic Church has a lot of theology that we as Protestants, and I'd say faithful the Scriptures, agree on the doctrine of the Trinity, the doctrine um, of Christ, of who he is. Uh, I mean, um, they believe Pelagianism is a heresy. Most of us in the Protestant church today accept Pelagianism as full-on truth. But anyhow, that's another. But uh, they, they guard a lot of doctrines that we want to, should guard as well. However, uh, their soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, what Alex was saying, is slightly different. And it is slightly. I mean, well, not really. But it's it, you have to... You have to um, make some very important distinctions. You have to split some very important theological hairs. Um, and, and Alex was just exactly the way he described it. But um, you have to do that. And their church membership process is an eight-month deal to make sure those those theological differences are understood. Um, and we live in a culture today, and I think this is um, applies here because the the culture that we live in is not overly Roman Catholic, but it is secular it is humanist it is man-centered and it, it's not very hard to see most of the worship songs that are sung today most of the sermons that are preached today most churches operate on man-centeredness not god-centeredness mm. and that's a slight change you don't have to change doctrine to do that and that is a slight slip of hand from the enemy and you just see today um, the conversations is should we be centered on lost people or saved people the answer to that question is neither we should focus on God and being true to his word. That's that's who we should be centered on. But you see, that conversation is not had much because it's man-centered. Who should this who should church be about? Well, it's none of us it should be about the Lord, it should be about the gospel, it should be about God, mostly. And so that's a very s- small slip of hand. But once you see it and you, you can start seeing it everywhere, the way you uh, hey, this worship song, this song we're gonna sing in the church, is it God centered mostly? Or is it mostly centered on what God does for me and what I get out of the gospel? I don't know that's a little distinction, but you start looking for it, and there's not much talk about who God is, the nature of God, the character of God, the deeds of God. It's more about us and that because the culture. Look, you find a church that is centered on God, focuses on God, who he is, his attribute, his word. You find that, that looks completely different than all the other churches around it and everything in the culture. What is something God used um, on the trip to impact your life? Um, in Puerto Rico, it just helped me to realize how much of the blessings I take for granted. Mm. Having clean water, warm water, a nice bed to sleep in, food. Mm. And I just, I feel like in that, during that trip, I needed to realize how ungrateful I've been for my blessings. I've heard that the food's a lot of... The food is a lot of plantains, is that correct? Lots of the same mushy. Got to taste no, the plantains, that's for sure. Plantains are really good, though. 
and fried food, which is lots of fried food, which is here too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, very good. Cool. Somebody else got something? Mainly, also just being thankful for like what we have, like just going there and seeing like what their way of living is, and like even their tolls. They got a toll like all over San Juan. Like you go in, you have to pay like five bucks. You go out, you also have to pay like five bucks. It's it it adds up, and then like just just like their places around you. You just see that, and you're like, dude, I'm I'm kind of blessed how I live here in America. And you kind of feel sorry for them. But at the same time, you can look back and just be like, I'm blessed for, like, what I've got. How much do you think that that, the environment that they're in, you know, we've talked about the religious side of things and how that causes the church to look a certain way. How much do you think the environment that they live in shapes their faith? It probably builds it like a lot more mm-hmm. to give them more confidence and like just like like just seeing how happy they are. They're probably just confident living the way they are because like that's all they know, and they're just they're just thankful in general yeah. most times. Yeah, because one one thing I've heard I don't remember if it was from you or from some other person who's been on a mission trip or the the idea that <clears throat> in America because we live the life that we live have the comforts that we have we are more slow to see our need for God because our physical needs are met consistently. And so our needs seemingly are less than those who are in situations, especially that Puerto Rico finds itself in now after all these natural disasters and things like that. So, I think that was a, a big thing too, and they emphasized it, was that when the hurricanes happened and the earthquakes happened and COVID happened, their government was just gone. There was no government help whatsoever. And I know, I'm sure we all personally have lots of complaints with our, our government, but it was, they definitely did more than, than Puerto Rico because mm. they just said the only people who would come out and, and help just people out of buildings that were stuck or help get them clean water was people like Sin Relief, which is mm-hmm. crazy to think about. I think what Anna said opened my eyes a little bit to be a little bit more aware next time, you know, natural disasters hit close like Puerto Rico, which is not that far away from for a plane ride. Uh, something people should be willing to do is get on, you know, keep up with sin relief and and be a part of that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. well. I think one of the things I miss, I uh, have missed for a lot of years as a pastor. I think we as Christians need to be realize what Anna's saying that when disasters do happen, whether it be in an individual's life or in a nation's life or a city's life, a neighborhood's life, those are great opportunities for the work of the Lord, to meet a need, to build friendships, to share the gospel. Um, And so I I think we need to look at disasters and and pain and suffering as great opportunities Mm -hmm. for the flourishing of the church and the gospel and not shy away but be ready for those opportunities and ready to jump in and Mm -hmm. do that. I definitely think we need to be more aware of them, especially the ones that are close by. Because like Mm -hmm. like we said here, like we are – so spoiled here in America. <laughs> but, like, their hurricane happened in 2017, and there were still buildings and places that were just gone and, mm-hmm. and crushed. And it's like, 2017, that wasn't a few years ago at this yeah. point. Like, it was, but, like, here there was already new condos year. and everything. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was just like, you think the government's going to take care of it. You think somebody else is going to take care of it, but that doesn't happen. We're supposed to take care of it. Right. Yeah, you always kind of have that. Even a larger church like ours, somebody's listening to this. Maybe this will convict them and draw them into service. I pray for that, so you know that before you hear this. Um, 
you may want to cut this off. You don't want to be convicted into serving your local church at Maysville Baptist Church. But, um, you know, yet at a church our size, you're always tempted to think, well, I don't need to serve in the children's department or youth department or senior adults or this or that. This need the church has. I don't do that. I mean, all these people, somebody else will do it. Well, what you're thinking, most of everybody else is thinking. So how's this going to work if everybody has the same? What? How would the church look if everybody did what you did? Good question to ask yourself. I think it's um, a little off topic, but not super off topic because you talked about the church our size. Um, so going back to Jesus and how he was he was shocked with our membership process um, because, like Chris said, it takes them like about eight months to become a member of the church. And um, he asked us, he was like, how do you know them? How can you love them as your sister and brother if you don't know them, if you don't know what they believe? And I think that personally, like, got to me, too. I'm like, I need to be more social. And I, I am shy. I'm not good at being social. Like, I, I don't enjoy that. But, like, there are people in our church that I don't know that I've probably never seen because we do have a big church. Yes. And I, I was just it's like, I need to do better at that. So, so I have two more questions. First question kind of goes back to a little bit about what we were talking about earlier, and that's, when thinking about the church, um, lo- logos, logos, sure, logos, logos, pretty much, L-O-G-O-S. So, word, right? Word yes. church, logos, logos church. Um, when thinking about that church, um, one thing that immediately stood out to me, just from talking to some of you guys about the trip, um, uh, when you guys got home, was what seems to have really stood out to you guys is the strength and health of this church. Um, and we've talked a little bit about um, what made it healthy, what made it strong, but what specifically about the church, if you could just point to one thing stood out to you the most um, that you would say is maybe completely different than anything we, or that you've ever thought about in the way that church should be. In our culture, we think you have to attract lost people and that if you are Christian-centered, although we we know we're supposed to be Christ-centered, but meaning that the church's focus is the Christian that is coming, we think that that church isn't going to grow. Like, we think we have to do the seeker-sensitive, like, ask the community what they want out of the church and, like, do things that attract lost people and focus on lost people coming to church. That's how you grow a church. But I think Logos, even though it's a smaller church to our comparison, it's a large church and they're growing. Um, And what they're proving is that no, like you can be Christian centered and still do evangelism and still do outreach and still grow if you focus on the foundations Mm -hmm. of growing mature Christians. And really focusing in on that with your sermons, on how you operate, on who you let be a member, on the things that you do. Let the Bible dictate that. And the Bible is for Christians, right? Like it saves lost peoples, but ultimately it's for Christians. It's for those who believe. And that's what the church is for. It's for those that believe. It's the called out. And, And so it doesn't mean that we don't do evangelism. It doesn't mean that we're not reaching lost people. It just means that Sunday morning, Wednesday nights, the focus is the believer and growing the believer up so that they can go out and do the evangelism so that they can go out and fulfill the Great Commission 
And you can see that that's their focus. Like we didn't have to talk to them very much about what their focus was because you could see it. Mm-hmm. They're wanting to build mature Christians. And then the rest of it kind of takes care of itself because right. the Christians are obeying the word of God. Right. They're going out and evangelizing. They're mm-hmm. going out serving their community. They don't have to <clears throat> make that happen. They don't have to plan these events necessarily. I'm sure they plan plenty, but like the congregation themselves is driving that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I didn't have to ask them for that. You could just see it, that the the people that are coming to this church are driving what they're doing. We saw that really a lot in how I, I saw it in how Jesus, or the deacon that was kind of with us all week, um, how he just prayed, mm-hmm. how often he wanted to pray and what he prayed for and what he said when he prayed. Mm-hmm. Every prayer was very Trinitarian. It was very theologically accurate, but it was sincere. It was real. Uh, and that was just very challenging and encouraging to me. And, you know, he's learned how he's learned the Bible. You can tell by the way he's praying. Mm-hmm. Right. He, he knows these things well. Um, so that and, and there's a reason and that what Alex is saying, the reason that focus on lost people, mostly on the church, there's a reason that don't work, especially in our culture. That doesn't work because sinners are um, they're sinners and we treat them like consumers in the model that Alex is speaking against. Um, sinners are we shouldn't treat them like consumers. And the reason why is it's hard to say you're a wicked, evil sinner. You need to repent. And at the same time, hey, what do you want? Let me try to give you whatever fleshly desired things you like so you'll be here. That that and the truth of the gospel don't go together. Those are yeah. conflicting messages. Um, Jesus is not a product. He's not for sale. He's a person. And he's not just Savior. He's Lord. He's God. So you can't treat him like a product. The gospel is not for sale. Somebody can only receive it by faith and repentance. So... You know, you, you can't treat the church like a consumeristic business. And it's news to be proclaimed. It's not something to persuade somebody of. It's not like, oh, like, you can believe in this or you can't. Like, it is the good news. It is to be proclaimed. It's happened. Yeah. Like, it is fact, and it needs to be proclaimed that way. Mm-hmm. And the way that we do it in a consumer kind of church is, yeah, you're persuading people. You're trying to get people to believe. What do I need to change for you to buy it? Yep, what do I have exactly. to do to talk you into it? And then you can't offend yeah. those people when you when you buy them on something that's not the truth, right? right. So yeah, so you have to keep going down there. So right. you can't talk about wrath of God. You can't talk about judgment. You can't yeah. talk about sin. You can't talk about any of that stuff that is going offend. to offend. I mean, the gospel offends. It, it offends our wicked nature. Yeah. And so if you're not offending, then you're not proclaiming the gospel. And so, and if you're not proclaiming the gospel, you're not actually saving people. There might be people getting saved, but they're getting saved despite your ministry, not because of it. Cool. And going back to kind of what Chris was talking about with Jesus um, and his prayers and stuff, there was one or two days, I believe, where he was where he told us to go ahead and just start at seven thirty, and that he would be here at eight o'clock. And when we started, he said we will be praying at the beginning and at the end, <laughs> and. I guess it was Wednesday or Thursday of that week. And he was like, Hey, did anybody pray this morning? We were all like, Nope. Um, and that was kind of like really encouraging to us. And then it, you know, made me kind of feel bad because I was like, yeah, we probably should have, you know, we probably should have done that. Um, so we had Connor, Connor p- prays like, like For nobody us. else. And I'm not making fun of you, Connor. It's, it kind of hurts me because I do not pray like that. But, like, Connor prays, like, constantly. So we definitely had prayer going on because I definitely would look over and Connor would be, like, praying. Lord, help us not die today. <laughs> but uh, and this needs to be said before this is over. Um, when we were in New Orleans, 
what a year and a half ago now, two years ago now. I don't remember how long we went on this trip to New Orleans. Last year. Was it last year? It was last year. Wow. We're trying to make flies. this a yearly thing, you know? Okay. So we were at New Orleans, and uh, we found this great coffee place. It was a Vietnamese restaurant. We were supposed to meet this pastor there, but this pastor didn't know he was supposed to meet us there. The Lord worked sovereignly that out somehow. But in the, while we were waiting, actually, I think it was after we were having lunch there, and they had this iced coffee. It was amazing. It was so good. And... Vietnamese iced coffee. If you ever get a chance, you're a coffee lover, you need to take it. So when we were in Puerto Rico, I'm going to tell you something. Be careful drinking coffee in Puerto Rico. It's I am a coffee connoisseur. I drink at least probably a full pot of coffee a day. So I'm a regular. But their coffee is different. It hits different. <laughs> it's very strong. But uh, we were as we had a situation, a COVID situation, where we had to move um, – where we were staying, and we didn't have a coffee pot, or we didn't know we had a coffee pot. And Sin Relief, Jonathan, the guy who oversaw that, he was nice enough to give us this coffee maker and fresh beans from the island. And this coffee maker, Nate, you'll love this. Um, you put the beans into, like, where you'd usually put the coffee ground, you just put the beans, and you hit a button, it grinds them, and then makes the coffee right there. That coffee, ask, ask the connoisseurs. I'm just going to be honest. That was a highlight for me. It was amazing. <laughs> It's a big mess, though. It makes a terrible mess, but it is very good. So I think just to kind of close, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the church there in Puerto Rico seems to be really strong. A lot of really good things coming out of, of, of that. and um, So, so that's, that's all great. But how can we, or are those people listening, how can they be praying for Christians in Puerto Rico? So, I don't. I want them to think about that before when I say this. Um, and I don't. I don't mean this. I know I've already asked for money, but um, to be given to our building project. But one of the things um, I think our members should be aware of that who listen to this or any member of a Southern Baptist church, if your church gives to the cooperative program, okay, um, I think right eight and a half or nine percent of our budget at Maysville Baptist Church. So you give a dollar. Every dollar you give to Maysville Baptist Church, almost a dime goes to the cooperative program okay the cooperative program the sbc funds seminaries okay six of the largest these six largest seminaries in america uh it funds we train more people in our seminaries than anybody else in america but it also it it goes to um, mission it funds missionaries over five thousand missionaries all over the world in north america and international missionaries and it also send relief it funds send relief so going what we've already talked about so um, just to know what that you by being faithful to the Lord to give uh, as a church cooperating with almost 50,000 other churches that are like-minded we believe um, you know we're fulfilling the Great Commission by being faithful in that way so that's a great opportunity to just be faithful to the Lord and knowing that we're funding being a part of the Lord's doing around the world and so we want to go we, we don't just want to give we want to go boots on the ground you know wherever we can where the Lord would lead us um, but we giving being faithful is also a key prayer how can we be praying for the church Christians well I mean that that church specifically Logos uh, their academy is being built off of a loan from the SBC and charity mm -hmm. of, of land and when, when we were trying to finish up some of the like buildings that we were building essentially um they were having a 
a bank person come out um, to look at like their progress and stuff like that. And they were very nervous about that. Um, so just pray that that project for them gets finished and then they have students that come. Um, I know they need teachers mm-hmm. um, was one of the things that they were kind of struggling with. That's a really, that's um, important prayer request they asked their, for. Their other pastor, um, they have two pastors. Uh, he was the principal of the school and he would actually have to step in if somebody got sick. So he, he was pulling like double duty kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how many students do they have? They have 150, but they're mm-hmm. wanting to get 200, I think. Is yeah. their goal. So growth, we helped hand out um, stuff for their open house. Um, 800 and something flyers um, that people actually took unlike yeah. here where they just would look at you and not roll down the window <laughs> um, but yeah just pray for that project for them um, cool. they're trying to be faithful to the Bible and grow up Christians children teach them in the way um, and so let them be faithful in that um, don't let it be a super legalistic school like some of the Christian schools end up being um, <laughs> but yeah, just their project, and I think that's going to be really big for them there. Um, and then be praying that some of those Catholics that they are ministering to sees that the soteriology of the Catholic Church is not the biblical understanding of salvation and how we receive salvation. Sure. Well, thank you guys uh, for coming on. Um, and just, just in closing, I just want to say, um, as y'all's friend, but also just as kind of an outsider to the ministry looking in this college ministry looking in um, just y'all's heart for missions really has I think spoken a lot to the church as a whole um, I know that there's a lot of people who um, are really excited to see younger people excited about missions um, and it's just been an encouragement to my heart just to hear like Chris say that like you guys decided hey we would rather go on mission trips than go on retreats um, that's that's really encouraging and um, I think to be commended. So thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Rejoice Together this week. Hope you guys have a great week and we hope to have you back next week. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. The Rejoicing Together podcast is a ministry of Maysville Baptist Church. We hope and pray that this episode has encouraged and will challenge you to grow in your faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. If you would like more information about the church, our other ministries, or information about how to support those ministries, please visit maysvillebaptist.net. If you have a question about the podcast or would like to speak with a pastor, please contact the church. Again, thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a blessed day.